Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm so happy you're here. Today, I am interviewing Raj Gurn, the unstoppable Raj Gurn. Raj has so much to share. She has started a media empire, Anoki Life, which she's going to talk a lot about. Fashion has always been something that is very dear to her, but also such an important part of the media company she has built. So we talk a lot about the intersection of fashion, culture, and community, a lot of that born out of her very much feeling like she has two very distinct cultural identities within her. Fasten your seatbelts. This woman has done a ton. Let me tell you a little bit more about her before we get to the conversation. Raj Gurn is a multi-award-winning media and events entrepreneur, brand strategist, marketing consultant, confidence coach, number one best-selling author, and entertainment personality. She is widely recognized as an expert in niche branding, media, marketing, and public relations, having worked with a vast array of globally recognized brands and celebrities for almost two decades. And that two decades is really important. Stay tuned. She has developed an enviable reputation as an innovative visionary who has an uncanny ability to create opportunities that bring brands, celebrities, media, and communities together by creating and curating engaging content and experimental experiences, having worked with multinationals like L'Oreal Paris, Diageo, Pantene, just to name a few. She has interviewed megastars like Kim Kardashian, Dita Von Tess, um, Frida Pinto, to name just a few. Among her many accolades include winner of the 14th International Women's Day Achiever Award, winner of the Inspirational Achiever Award, and winner of the ICCC Female Entrepreneur of the Year Award. She's been featured in two coffee table books and a feature-length documentary and is often called upon for her expertise on pop culture, entertainment, branding, media, marketing, and promotional trends. Without further ado, let's get to the conversation with the amazing Raj Gurn. Raj, I am so happy to have you here on Fashion Talks. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. You have a ton going on, which we're going to get to. So I'm so grateful for you spending this time with me today. I'm so happy that you have me on, sweetheart. It's such a pleasure and an honor. And I look forward to an insightful and fun conversation with you. Oh, well, I love starting all these, all the conversations I start the same way, which I have this belief that those of us who love fashion, who are fortunate enough to work in fashion somehow, have a moment where we understood that fashion, clothing, this thing we wear every day, holds more power than just protecting our bodies from the rain, the sun, the elements. And I'm wondering if you have a moment that you can hearken back to maybe in your childhood or early teens where you had that ping of understanding that fashion held more power than just protection from the elements. Absolutely, Donna. Well, there's so many stories I can share, but the one that really comes um, full force to me, and it really has a lot to do with my very intimate and spiritual connection with fashion. And that is just this whole connection and alignment with how I'm feeling in a specific era in my life uh, and how that outwardly shows up 
in my fashion. And I'll give you a prime example during my teenage years when we, you know, we are always challenged as we are. Puberty is going on, independence is required, um, you know, conditioning of the society, of my culture as well, all kind of playing into the mix. I, you know, I felt very unhappy about my life and I felt very locked into trying to figure out what my life needs to be. Um, and I didn't know where to start because I had two opposing cultures, my culture from the East. Um, I'm from India originally, my family, and then my upbringing, because I was born and brought up in England, um, in the West. And oftentimes, both of those worlds um, didn't you know, align, they collided. Mm-hmm. So I found during that time of the puberty years, which are already complicated, without the elements of culture, um, without the elements of what gender you are and where you live and your social economic status. Um, I just found that I was in a, a dark place. And the fashion that spoke to me at that time was, um, you know, the fashion of, you know, gothic um, art meets um, scar. And back oh, in those yeah. days in the 80s, yeah, in the 80s, scar music was a big thing. So that was my demeanor. My inwardly feeling always manifests in its outward fashion, um, um, you know, voice. And I'm wondering, you know, that's, you know, you speak so often about those two, um, those two cultures that exist very much within you from your Indian heritage and your Western upbringing. How else do you see that interwovenness of fashion and identity manifesting either in your own life or, you know, with all of the work you do with Anoki that we're going to get to? Absolutely. Well, um, fundamentally speaking, um, I've always felt that every single type of identity in the world, and I think this is my idealistic, um, you know, perspective on life, I feel every voice, every identity needs to have a platform to exist, to speak, to um, express and to share and to celebrate um, who they are, why they are, and how they fit within the melting pot of the overarch um, of the society that you know we live in. And um, I felt that that wasn't happening here in Canada 20 years ago when I started Anoki. And um, I don't know if it was my, um, you know, my ignorance or you know, my infinite wisdom or what it was, but I just felt compelled. Wisdom, wisdom, Raj, always wisdom. (laughs) Well, I felt um, compelled, Donna, to create a platform that would allow people like me who at that time I felt were misfits, people that, you know, were very entrenched in the Eastern and Western philosophies and experiences of life. I felt that I needed to have a home for this identity that didn't have a name. So that's why I started Anoki, which, by the way, Adonna, it's a Hindi word that means unique or different. And this was what the identity was at that time. It was a, a unique coming together of two very opposing polar opposite cultures where I wanted to find a place to discuss what this new identity could be. And, and, and a big part of that were three tranches. We had the lifestyle tranche, we had the entertainment tranche, and we had the glamour tranche. So the glamour with the fashion and the art and the beauty was, a, was and has been um, a huge part of what we do here at Anoki and that we have been showcasing in terms of this identity of fusing two cultures. Um, we really kind of you know, were the 
pioneers of being able to talk about what that new identity meant in fashion globally. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Because when you when you talk about, you know, not feeling like there was this community that had a place, like that feels like very unstable ground to be standing on to me. And Inoki, if I understand you correctly, kind of provided that space, that community, that stability where people could say, no, I, I belong here. Like I can feel like I'm walking on steady ground here. How were fashion and beauty used or, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, magically kind of like the tool that could help provide that identity stability when stability, instability was kind of all around? You know, what I found in life and what I've found through my, you know, research in history, because I'm such a history buff, is that when we're able to find a place or a thing, whatever that thing is, in this case, fashion, um, that speaks to people um, where there is a common denominator of understanding, that's when all cultures are able to come together. And this is by art and poetry and entertainment um, tend to speak to that. Fashion also speaks to that. It speaks to this commonality where politics and gender and socioeconomic standing don't, you know, they're not a part of that mix. It's, it's truly about the expression of art through your identity and the sharing of that and the bringing together of people um, to experience that. I feel that's the magic of fashion. Um, and, you know, we've seen it through the ages. There's nothing more powerful than bringing together cultures that ordinarily wouldn't come together through a common love for a form of art. And that's what fashion is to me. When we spoke earlier, you'd mentioned uh, Nita Abami's opening of the Cultural Center just a few days ago. And I spent a lot of time falling down the among other things, glorious red carpet, <laughs> where, as you said, Bollywood and Hollywood like came together in Mumbai in early April for this like unbelievable cultural event. What do we need to know about, and, and there's this amazing, um, uh, you know, Hamish Bowles is curating the fashion exhibit on yes. the impact of Italian, of Italian, Indian, dress and textiles and i love this on the fashionable imagination right what is your perspective on indian dress and textiles on the global fashionable imagination and i kind of feel like you know there's a moment happening for south asian culture right now what do we need to understand like what are your thoughts on what kind of is happening on a grander stage right now well, I, I really love that question. And it's really interesting because you're absolutely right. Indian fashion, Indian pop culture, Indian entertainment, Indian business um, is in a renaissance. So um, there is this incredible um, experience that I feel the world is having um, where South Asians' perspectives are being acknowledged, being accepted, being celebrated. And that's really what the Nita Ambani um, Cultural Center is representing, a world-class stage for world-class um, community coming together 
um, to align in a specific arena. In her case, it's art, it's fashion, etc. But what I feel that is, you know, the bigger story here is just this whole idea where, and, and I'm going to use Hollywood and Bollywood as an example, Bollywood being the Eastern um, perspectives and Hollywood being the Western perspectives. Think of that collision, that beautiful collision that's happening, um, where these cultures are coming together again, as I said off the top, with you know the fusion of cultures is taking place in this common denominator um, of art and fashion and experience. And I feel that that's the big thing that's happening right now. And I feel the other thing also, Donna, is um, Indian fashion is extremely layered. Um, when you consider the textiles, you think about the embellishments, you think about the handwork, you think about the color expression. This has a lot to do with the culture in and by itself that has, you know, been a part of the Indian subcontinent for the last, you know, a number of thousands of years, being that it's one of the oldest cultures. And in fact, you know, a lot of archaeology has found that some of the oldest, if not the oldest um, findings are in the Indian subcontinent. So what does that speak to? That speaks to layers and layers, and that's the alignment I'm talking about here, the layers and layers of culture um, that is being showcased in the expansivity of what Indian fashion is all about. I love that you keep referring to, and I think we're seeing this in a number of places around the world, that culture, art, and fashion are becoming closer and closer together on that like continuum of creative expression. You know, we see it with, you know, indigenous fashion and arts here in Canada. And I was really struck by how it was fashion arts, fashion arts at this cultural center as well. What do you think that means for community when fashion and culture become more aligned and we don't see them as uncoupled entities that don't influence one another? Anything that allows you to express yourself, um, be um, on an individual perspective or on a community perspective, for me, is a good thing. And that's what art and culture allows us to do. That's what fashion and entertainment allows us to do. But on the flip side of that, um, there's also a lot of segregation associated with that because we we find little buckets of commonality with um, a specific silo that we're more aligned to. But what's wrong with that? As long as every other silo is accepting of each other, I think that's the key here. The differences are a good thing. We always look for alignment, right? We're always talking, especially now in pop culture, since the advent of social media culture, we're always trying to find an alignment. We're trying to find our tribe. We're trying to find our people, right? I, I feel that a part of that discussion isn't only solely about finding people who are like us. I feel it's about sharing our differences with people who are not like us. And that's what art and fashion and entertainment allows us to do. And, you know, what do you think, because I think like the fusion you're talking about, and I'd love to hear about any kind of examples of the fusion fashion that you're talking about, as you might've seen with, with, uh, with South Asian culture, but 
When does fusion become appropriation? Because when you talk about like the deep heritage of Indian fashion, and my goodness, I think it is one of the most gloriously ornate, joyful, like the embroidery, as you're saying, the embellishments, I can see how other cultures have kind of taken little pieces of it throughout mm-hmm. the ages. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, the European couturiers going down there and, and you know, learning and taking from Indian fashion. Where are those lines, do you think, Raj, when something stops being homage and inspiration and leans into appropriation from your perspective? Oh, I think that um, I can answer this and it can relate to anything that we do in life. And I think it's this whole idea of ensuring that you're being collaborative with the culture And this is where the DEI piece comes in. I feel that you need to bring on board um, people that actually understand what you don't to ensure that 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 gap is being bridged when you're, you know, taking elements of something that you're not that familiar with um, and that you're actually utilizing it in an appropriate manner, but also allowing the flair of perspective, because that's what art and fashion and entertainment's about, to still speak. So I feel that that's the thing. I think that whatever it is, whether it's art, whether it's fashion, whether it's beauty, whether it's culture, whether it is a um, you know corporate environment, whether it's a political environment, whether you're in a religious space, uh, whether it's your home, whether it's amongst your friends, I think the important thing here is to understand that you need to bring in people to help you understand the sensibilities that are associated with something you don't know. So that when you do use it, it's not appropriation. It is expanding on the natural, you know, perspective Mm -hmm. of what's true to that specific culture. Are there any examples, and it could be someone you see, you know, out in the world, or maybe there's a designer where you see a really powerful and beautiful collaboration that you're talking about or maybe it's even just like how style is fusing the east and west together what what lights you up from a fashion perspective when you think about those cultural collaborations um i feel it really just comes down to the the fact that we're being accepting as a whole as a as as a world culture i think that there's never been a time because technology has allowed us this to understand each other um, than, than there ever has been in the past. And I feel that is showing up in all layers of society. In, um, from a fashion perspective, we talk about all these various collaborations that are happening in all aspects, whether it is um, technology and fashion, whether it is one type of culture and another type of culture, right? Whether mm-hmm. it is a genre of um, fashion versus another. And the interesting thing is, is that you know how um, luxury fashion and street smart fashion used to be church and state? Oh, yes. There uh, as well, you know, the last couple of decades, we've been seeing a huge um, fusion, um, which is, 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 is in and by itself bringing forth a whole other form of fashion, another genre of fashion. So I so I feel, and, and I'll give you, like there's so many examples of this, Donna, but one example I'll give you from my culture is um, we have an incredible um, couturier in India called Sabia Sachi. So he is very well known for his very, very high-end, opulent art pieces where the wedding um, you know, space is concerned. So you have to really have coin 
to afford <laughs> his pieces. And um, so he did a collaboration, this is wonderful, a number of years ago with Louboutin Shoes. Ooh. So just think about that. So not only are we fuse, fusing this idea of a type of fashion, garments, but we're fusing it with this idea of another type of fashion in um, footwear, both brands aligning um, on the client that would be um, the upper echelon fashionista. So that's just one of many examples. The other thing, like as you're talking, I'm hearkening back to looking at all the beautiful um, red carpet images um, from the the Mbami uh, Cultural Center opening. And something that I was so struck by was there was a um, such a contemporary um, flair to so many of the um, Indian designers that I wasn't familiar with, like structural, sculptural nature. And it made me think that what is so exciting about an event like that is it pushes presuppositions and assumptions about a culture's fashion and therefore expands the understanding or the debunks assumptions about the culture in general. Is that like, am I, you know, reading too much into it? Or do you think when we understand a culture's fashion in a more contemporary way, it therefore expands us to be open to more diverse understandings of that culture globally? I feel that, you know, this, again, is something that relates to all aspects of life. If we're able to infuse some familiarity from who we are when we're walking into a foreign arena, it, it opens us up to, oh, that oh I get that. I get what they're doing. And then it allows us to then look deeper and say, ooh, but look at this, which is something I've never seen before. And I feel that that is really the true um, advantage of ensuring that there is a healthy dose of familiarity, but then allows you to then, because then that's when you have my attention. Oh, I get this. Um, oh, but I didn't know this, I think is the, is, is the big, is the yes. big thing here. Is, that's the big aha moment I feel that we all want. And is that aha moment, like Anoki is about to celebrate a very exciting milestone, 20 years. It is the longest running South Asian media and events group in Canada for sure, but globally as well. I mean, from a, from a, you know, perspective, um, is that aha moment something that you are striving for with Anoki Life? So it's really interesting because um, definitely we made Canadian history as the longest running multimedia and um, events company that services Gen X, Y, and Z. Because yeah, because you're a force of nature, in. Raj. That's oh just all there is to it. <laughs> you are so kind and lovely. I adore you. Um, but definitely not in the world. There have been, you know, decades and decades of incredible media that have covered the, the um, Indian diaspora, the South Asian diaspora around the world. But we, we, we have our stronghold here in Canada and also across North America. So, um, you know, the 20th anniversary for us um, really is a very pivotal moment. Not only that we, you know, have hit this milestone, but that, you know, Canada is accepting of the diversity um, that makes this country what it is. And that truly is, you know, the big thing here that I feel needs to be um, expressed. I think the other part of this is 20 years ago when I started this, um, I started it myself being very confused about my identity because there were just too many moving parts and too many people culture-wise pulling me in different directions, oftentimes opposing directions. So what do you do when you're in 
in that kind of crossroads, um, you know, place of your life. And I felt that Anoki helped me, as it has helped our community over 20 years, understand who we need to be as an identity, understand how expansive that is, and to create space where we can be seen and heard also by cultures that are not um, the identity that we are. And I think that's the magic um, that Anoki brings to the table. We're very inclusive in terms of bringing forth all other, you know, um, cultural identities, um, socioeconomic um, identities, we, we, all of it, all of it is welcome here in our world. And 20 years ago, our culture, you know, the South Asian community was, was considered quite obscure. We were kind of sitting in the underbelly of society, even though we were very robust as a, as a community, because culturally speaking, we're very communal. But over the last 20 years, every single industry in the world is now being dominated by some form of South Asian personality or expression or belief system. And that's the story I want to tell when we do our events, June the 15th, 16th and 17th. And again, as I mentioned um, earlier on, Donna, our mission has always been three tranches, um, lifestyle, entertainment and glamour. We're going to do three events that are going to speak to that during that time, which I would absolutely love for your audience to, to come out. Um, all the details tell us a are little on bit. Anoki. Yeah. Tell us a little well, bit about, you know, I know there's a robust program, but particularly maybe from the fashion perspective, like give yes. us a little, because we'll link below like where people can find out about the events and tickets yeah. and, and so much that is happening. But can you tease us out a little bit and tell us a bit about what's happening with the, with the fashion events that you have planned? Absolutely. So um, as as the obscurity to dominating every industry journey has happened for South Asians in the last two decades, that has also been the case in the fashion space. So our goal um, when we do our um, Fashion Runway event on the 16th of June, um, we want to make sure that we are telling that story. So there's going to be a, a, a number of fashion designers who are all very distinctly different in who they are in their art form. Um, who we are going to be showcasing in our runway show. Um, and we are going to have people of note um, who are going to be the models. And the reason we're doing this is that we also um, are supporting awareness for mental health um, and yes. normalizing discussions, you know, within our community, within communities at large, um, around um, the fact that mental health or vulnerability is actually a strength um, if it's discussed and shared and accepted. Um, so this is kind of the, the overarching mission of um, bringing forth this showcase of 20 years of South Asian fashion, um, which I'm so excited to do, Donna. Um, it's never been done before here in Canada, um, actually even in um, you know North America. So this will be a first. It's happening here in Toronto, which makes it even more fabulous because we are such a huge melting pot. And it really is going to be an incredible story um, of fashion, of South Asian fashion renaissance. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the, 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 the 
the evolution, the presentation, the richness, the joyfulness that I know is going to be a part of that, of the, all of the events. But, you know, obviously my heart is in the, the fashion event, most particularly. Um, of course. A couple of other things I want to touch on, because you aren't just running Anoki. You also have um, the Open Chest Confidence Academy, and you do work with individuals and executives and organizations. And I'm curious as to how you may have seen fashion evolve with someone that you've worked with? Or do you use fashion or do you see how fashion is a tool in that coaching work that you do? Oh, what a great question. So a big part of what we do at the Open Just Confidence Academy is to help create authority. So this is in many different facets. It could oh, be the I branding space, that. the media space. Yeah, absolutely. The, commu- the communication space. It, it, there's, there's a huge wealth of bespoke services that, you know, people can go in and, um, you know, see what, what makes sense for where they're at and where they want to go. A big part of the branding piece is understanding your style. And style and fashion go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. I and that's agree. the mistake a lot of people make. Um, fashion is the expression of your style. And so you have to first hone in on understanding what your style um, avatar is. And that requires you understanding who you are as an individual and what you want the world to know about you. That style avatar then is kind of like your Bible where, you know, this is kind of where I sit um, as an identity, this is my style. Um, what are the fashion expressions out there that I can bring forth that will align with the style that I want people to identify when they meet me in a- any touch point of communication out there in the world? Fashion is a huge part of that process. And people understand just by looking at you what you represent. Um, So if you're not representing yourself, because that's how they see it, this is how we all see it, right? If you're not aligned with who you are as an identity, with your style speaking to the fashion decisions that you make, then that is something that you seriously need to think about. Don't make it so hard for people to understand who you are, what your brand is, because um, fashion and style can immediately solve that. And you know what they say about um, a picture Um, you know, representing a thousand words. There's no difference here in the fashion style identity space. And do people get that? Like, as you're explaining, like, because I'm now immediately connecting the dots to, you know, you sharing earlier in our conversation of feeling a little bit like a misfit over to helping people generate and understand authority and how fashion and style is a very important tool in making that transition. Do people, are they open to that? Like, what's your experience when you walk people through that process? Absolutely. It's always like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I need, but I didn't know it. There hasn't been a single person that has, you know, walked through our virtual world because it's an online academy, um, who has come to us and says, well, I don't get that. And I feel that that's the thing, generally speaking in life, Donna, that we have to always take a moment and time to explain how things jot together. Like, you know, what is that journey to expect people to go from, this is who, you know, this is who we are and this is what we want to do and not have an explanation map to meeting them where they are 
That's the biggest problem. The the lack of communication is what causes most of the problems and the ignorance in the world today across every single thing that we do as, as a human race. And sometimes we try to do it in like a confusing order, like what comes first, my understanding of identity and self or style, like they kind of ebb and flow sometimes, no? That's true as well. Absolutely. Because sometimes what we do is, so we know, okay, this is, this is who I am today. This is what I want people to know about me. That's my style. Mm-hmm. And this, these are the elements um, in the physical realm, fashion, that I am going to use to help communicate that message. Then there comes a time when a person, you know, we all have different avatars, right? So if we're hanging out at home, we may be like, you know, wearing something more casual and comfortable. If we're going to a red carpet event, uh, we'll be wearing something that is probably more structural, structural and more um, um, the, the requirement to be seen is the best way for me to say that. And mm-hmm. then everything in between, right? So, you know, and that's the other mistake that a lot of people make um, is your style isn't in one arena, or in one tranche of thinking. It is based and aligned to all the different avatars that you exist as a human, right? So you, I feel that, you know, that's that, that's a part of it. The other part of it is the ebb and flow that you just mentioned as well. Um, sometimes we do feel like, oh, I wanna wear a pair of jeans and, you know, a fabulous top versus a, a big ball gown with multiple layers, but it could be the same event you're going to. I think the key here, so that you don't confuse yourself and other people, is that the style piece is the piece that allows you to make the right decision in the fashion arena to make sure that your identity is clear. So let me give you an example, Donna. So from my perspective, I'm a very ornate, very ostentatious, very flamboyant um, fashion personality. I love all of the OTT-ness. I'm, I'm that go big or go home kind of girl. You I'm are girl from color, the 80s. color personified, right? <laughs> so that's, that's where, I, where I live. So if I'm wearing jeans and a top with some kicks, or if I'm going to be wearing a ball gown, there's going to be elements that are common in both of those avatars of me. For example, my kicks will probably have embellishments on them, right? Um, in, in, in the space of the couture that I wear, I would want to still feel like I can walk. So the practicality of wearing jeans comes in there for me. Do you see what I'm saying? So I feel a lot of people will just go out and they, oh, this is nice, or oh, this is on trend. And the people that buy on trend, I feel are the ones that are the most confused because the purpose of trends is for you to incorporate it into the style mantra of who you are and not the other way around. Well, and I've often wondered if we now, we live in a post-trend world where we're no longer in the like time of maybe the, the 50s and 60s and into the 70s where manufacturing was far more limited, where there were literally, you know, two or three seasons, you know, resort wear was like the, Ooh, we're going to add an extra season. Like we just, there's now just a (laughs) glut of all options, all new, all the time, which I think in some ways is really exciting because no one needs to really think about, you know, what is the, what is the hemline that's on trend or the color or the fabric? It is a wide open 
smorgasbord of whatever suits, as you're saying, your style, your identity, because when those two things are aligned, I think that's where real magic can happen in terms of how you execute and make choices and take action in the world. I wholeheartedly agree. And I want to add to that as well, Donna, because, you know, when we looked at fashion back in the day, um, whatever back in the day means to you, because we're all different generations. For sure. um, The fashion industry is a business at the end of the day. So they do need to collaborate on, you know, what are the color palettes that we're going to bring into the season? What are some of the commonalities that need to be there, whether it's the big shoulder pads, the no shoulder pads, the wide leg pants, the, the, the crop top, whatever it may be. And you will see those commonalities, you know, literally from top to bottom of every different type of um, fashion label out there, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, if they don't sell to the consumer that there is a look that is, you know, on trend, um, and even though it may be experienced or expressed in multiple different forms of fashion, because that's the advantage today, you can find your style, right? Um, you can find your fashion um, as part of your style is, is what I meant to say. Um, but they need to, it's a business. They need to be able to have people keep coming by, by and buying new things in the season. Otherwise, the industry would be dead if, if that wasn't the case. Yeah. And we do need to support the fashion industry as well. Otherwise, where are we going to get the expressions of fashion to fit our style that, is, that makes clear who we are as an identity? Raj, I want to harken back to what you were sharing at the beginning. And I want you to think back to that teenager who was, you know, embracing the goth and the ska. Do you recall what the moment was? Because that feels very much like your identity that was rooted in how you were feeling. Do you remember a moment where you realized that you were ready to leave that identity behind? How did you move from that person to the next evolution of yourself, which I'm going to guess might be a little bit closer to the version of yourself that is full of, you know, ornate, extra, so much exuberant beauty. I think that in those kind of dark ages, you know, that those dark ages we all go through at some point in our lives. Um, for me, it was my teenage years. Um, I, I couldn't find who I was. So I was looking at the outside world to, you know, once I got over myself and my pity party and going down the rabbit hole as we need to do, because without that, you don't know that there is an alternative to that. When you experience that and you say, I don't like being here, is when you start looking at alternatives of where can I be? And for me, that first step was um, not so much finding a new identity, Um, because I feel that is a transitional journey. It takes time and the the ebbs and flows that you talked about earlier is a part of that, right? Um, It was more finding who I would like to be. And I know I'm not her today. So let me borrow somebody else's um, identity so that I can fit, that I would like to be, and I know I'm not. And maybe that's the first step. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, what spoke to me was Bollywood. So, you know, Bollywood for me um, was that fantastical world of beautiful clothing, of falling in love, of the fairy tale at the end of the door formula. 
So that was something that really spoke to me because it was everything that I wasn't experiencing and, and, and it was everything, you know, we all wish as young girls that we had until we realize who we actually are. And that's the piece that was the next piece after that. So this is where my style changed and then like colors came in, vibrancy flow came in, textures came in. And it was funny because there's something about color, Donna, that just makes you happy as a human. And that's what actually helped me pull myself out of the dark um, black fashion hole that I was in. Um, and the other thing is that I realized later on in life, which I'd, lo I'd love to share with you, is that um, in spirituality, um, the color black is a color where you're inviting absorption from the exterior world. The color white is where you're repelling the, um, you know, the absorption of the yeah. external environment and colors which sit in between those two, um, you know, allow us to experience the ebbs and flows of the prism of colors. So in spirituality, it's funny how it does translate over into the color choices we make, um, like, which does, you know, also factor into the um, types of fashions that we resonate to as individuals. And that really was a big part of, I feel, um, the changing point for me. So as soon as the color, the spiritual colors started to help me open myself up and open up the expression of, you know, who I could potentially be, even though I wasn't her yet, um, it took me one step closer to becoming her, who today I am. Today, I'm unequivocally the woman that I've always wanted to be and more. Um, I like who I am. I trust who I am. I know who I am. And so I, again, like the colors, um, I absorb people who are like-minded and I repel those who are, aren't. And I sit in the world of the prism of color because that's what makes me happy. I love to experience the full color of life. Raj, thank you so much for being here. What a beautiful way to end the conversation on like the power of fashion and, and color. I appreciate this so much. People want to find out about the events that are coming up in June in Toronto or follow along your journey the Open Chest Confidence Academy, all that's going on with the Noki Like. We'll link them below in the show notes, but please tell us where people can follow you along. Everything for the event is Anoki20, so that's 20, Anoki20.com. To follow me, just my name, a anywhere that um, you know social media exists, just mm -hmm. find me at Raj Gurn. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, sweetheart. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me here on Fashion Talks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends, your family, on your networks. It would mean the world to me. Fashion Talks is done in partnership with the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. You can find out more about them at CAFA Awards, C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S on Instagram. This episode was produced by Jason Perrier. You can find him on Instagram at a Jason Perrier. You can follow the pod at Fashion Talks Pod, and you can follow me at This Is Donna B. All of us on Instagram. I hope you will join us again next week. Thank you so much, and have a great day. <music>